So we're talking about single parenting today. <laughs> Actually, we are talking about that, and we're going to talk about how God has a calling for all parents. But I love the way Adam Sandler in this, he does the best he can. Obviously, he's making a few mistakes. But honestly, he's embracing a, a singular sense of soul in this kid, and he's, he's encouraging this kid to, to be, in some ways, what God wants him to be. We're going to talk about that today. If you're here for the first time, I hope you feel what God is doing in this place. Uh, the, the baptisms. We've had a baptism, a dedication. We'll have one in the next service. And in the first service, we baptized Merle Haggard's harmonica player. Uh, true story. So uh, he may play us a few licks in the future. We'll try to get him to do that. So I hope you feel what God is doing. Well, today uh, we are on our second week of our series called Real Modern Family. And we're trying to look at the real aspects of modern family life. We don't live in the 1950s anymore when, you know, there were different dynamics. Just remember, 60 years ago, there was one phone in every house, basically. And that one phone was at the very center of the house. And if you had to have a conversation, everyone else could hear it. And that was a good thing. We kind of kept each other accountable. Now we have like six and seven phones and people have different conversations. There was one television set. And you could hear and see what exactly people were watching. Now we have five and six in different people's rooms and computers. And so these are challenges in our modern day. So we're going to take a look at some of these things. And last week we looked at marriage. And we looked at how the biggest and the most important thing, even though a lot of things are changing in terms of marriage, one thing is consistent, and that is that it's God's plan for our lives. And two, that it is the one thing in others that we need to hold on to that God has given to us. So God has given to you somebody who can provide that one thing, and nobody else can provide that. And God will show you exactly what that is, and that's what to hold on to. So we looked at that last week. I heard about a couple married about 80 or 90 years or so, and they're, uh, they're sitting on the couch, and there's this older guy and this uh, woman, and the woman said, you know, I remember the day when you used to kind of sit close to me. I just wish you would do that again. The guy sat close to her, and uh, she said, is this, yeah, that's, that's great, she said. And, and what about, uh, she said, in the old days, you used to hold my hand, and I just loved it when you did that. If you could just do that again. And so he held her hand. And then she said, I also remember when I was younger, you used to kind of nibble on my ear a little bit, and I, I just loved it when you did that. So the guy gets up and, and goes off to his room, and, and his wife says, well, where are you going? He says, I'm going to get my teeth. So... Um, <laughs> Whatever that one thing is, you've got to remember that. Okay. So today we're going to talk about parenting, but I want to focus on single parenting. And the title of my message today is called On My Own. I just want to get a feel for who in this room is a single parent. That is, you're raising your kid, no matter what age or how old your kids are, on your own. Would you raise your hand if you're in that group? Okay, good. How many people in this room have kids or grandkids who are raising your kids they're raising their kids on their own. Is anybody in that category? Okay. How many people have friends who have single or parent situations that they're raising their kids on their own? Anybody have any of those? Okay, good. Statistically, that's true. Now, what we're also going to talk about today is that in a lot of cases today, because people have to work two or three jobs each, there is a lot of single parenting dynamics in every single home, even married couples' homes. Let's look at the statistics. 40% of people today are being raised by a single parent, which is just a new modern reality. Now, 60% of people are affected by that larger category, and that is the people who have parents who are single parents. But again, how many people are raising kids today in a situation where you're doing it on your own because the other one's just away? That's 
80% of people today. I have to admit, in our life, Star and I were happily married, but we have a single parent dynamic. Every Tuesday and Thursday, Star heads off to work. And she heads off about five in the morning because she has to get out to work, and so it's a long day. And that means Haley wakes me up about 7.15-ish every morning. Now, I know for a lot of you, that's a late, late morning, but for me, that's an early morning. And uh, that's when I change Haley's diapers and sometimes put her in the bath and give her some breakfast. Uh, Sometimes we sit at the piano and we play a couple of songs with one another. And then at that point, Haley says she wants to watch a video. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can pretty much handle any aspect of being a parent except this one thing, Barney. (laughs) I don't know how to say this nicely, but I hate Barney. I deeply dislike Barney. I don't like his color. I don't like his music. I don't like the actors in the show. Now, I know what you're saying to yourself. You're saying, suck it up. Take one for the team. We all have to do things we don't like to do, but it's, it's not just the one time through Barney. It's the two and three and five and ten and twenty times. And after a little while, I'm saying, I love you. You love me. I am going to kill somebody. And just revealing my heart to you. So I know how hard it is. Now, that's just me two days a week. But I want you to think about, and we're trying to reach people who have single kids or their kids they're raising by themselves. And we're also trying to show that God is going to meet us wherever we are. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. Now, whenever we talk about parenting, whether we're talking about single parenting or parenting with a couple, we're going to think about one word, and that word is calling. It's an old Christian word. It comes from the Greek word, chalao. Would you say that with me? Good. We have a Greek man in the fourth row. You can't speak Greek unless you spit on somebody. Chalao. It literally means a ministry, a calling. It means a job that God gives us. A job from God. And what we believe as Christians, as Christ followers, is that God gives people jobs. Maybe He's given you the job of being a principal or a contractor or a teacher, or He's given you the job of being a real estate agent, or you've given, He's given you the job of being a policeman. God gives you these jobs. You don't just get them. And God gives people the job of being a parent. Now, this is really important to start this way. Because this means that parenting just does not happen. It just makes me so upset when I hear people say, well, it just happened. No. God reached down. In fact, that's the Greek notion of this. God reaches down. This is the notion. Hands down, like a bucket of water. God hands down this responsibility. Now, here's the thing. Whenever God gives you a job to do, He will also give you the gifts to do it. That's God's promise. He will never give you a job to do that he won't also give the, the gifts, the, need, the ability to do. Let's look at the Bible. This is what the Bible is going to tell us today. Now, Peter is not talking about parenting in this text. He's not talking about parenting. He's talking about a calling. So this text will have nothing to do with parenting unless we see parenting as halao, a calling. If we do, it will have a lot to say to us. So this is, a, this is what Peter wants to tell you today about parenting. His divine power has given us everything we need. Stop. God's power has given you everything you need to parent. I don't know about you, but I find that very comforting. 
There's a whole bunch of things that I feel that I don't have. But what this is saying is God has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who what? Called us, who chalaod us, who gave you this by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very great and precious promises. Notice the word promise. God has promises you this. So that through them, you may participate in the very divine nature. You get to be like God through this calling. That's what the word notion means. We actually get to participate. When God gives you something to do, he lets you be a little bit of God in this world. That's the notion of vocatio, halao, as I spit on the front row. So that through him you may be participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Does anybody feel it's hard to raise a kid in this day and age with all the challenges out there? This is what it's saying. Now for this very reason, Peter says, make every good effort to add to your faith goodness. Now Peter's going to give us a long list of things here. This is basically an equation. Let's read through it and then see what he's doing. He gives to your faith goodness, goodness knowledge, Knowledge, self-control, self-controlled perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Now, whenever you get a long list of things like this in the Bible, it's basically an equation. We saw this a couple weeks ago with Paul. Remember, he said suffering equals suffering equals perseverance equals perseverance, uh, character equals hope. Now, this is Peter's equation. It's much more complex. Peter was just a more complex guy. F plus G plus K plus SC plus P plus BG plus K equals love. All right. The key here is that love is the focus. You know the problem with a lot of parenting classes today? The focus is on raising good kids. That's too much pressure to put on the parents and the kids. But if your focus is love, it's Jesus Christ. Raising kids is the good byproduct of your relationship with Christ. We'll look at this again in a second, but let's look at this list. This is what God wants to give you as a parent. Faith, goodness. Who doesn't need goodness? I do. Knowledge. How many things do I not understand? I could read four books, but God wants to teach you something. Self-control. I need self-control when I watch Barney. Big time. Perseverance. Just sticking with it. Just staying with it. Godliness. God wants you to be a little bit like God. Kindness, love. These are the gifts. Now look, these are only the gifts if you see this as a calling. If you say, well, this kid just happened in my life or this is sort of the way my life evolved, that's not a calling. But if you recognize the calling God is giving you, he will give you these gifts as well. So this is how it continues. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. That's what I need. I don't want to be an ineffective dad or an unproductive one. But look, it isn't about parenting. Ineffective and unproductive in what? Your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that I can do. You know why? That allows me to make mistakes. Because I'm going to make mistakes in my parenting. But if my focus is on Jesus Christ, the byproduct of that will be good kids. You can't create good kids if good kids are your focus. That's too much pressure. But if your focus is on raising your life to love and know Jesus Christ, the byproduct of that is wonderful kids. That's God's promise to us if we see it as a calling. It's a lot to think about, I know. So when we think about parenting, I have to be real careful and figure that I am not an expert. I am not an expert when it comes to parenting. I've had a kid for two years. And I also know that parenting is more like artwork than it is about a law, right? 
Like science is like laws that you apply and they apply in any situation. But parenting is like, I think this kid needs a little more yellow or pink or a little bit of fuchsia right here. You, you have to kind of roll with it a little bit. I learned this from my parents. Uh, in my family, if you can see this picture of my family, this is a picture of me in the top left. I'm the oldest. And then there's my sister sitting down there. She's the brunette. The girl's sitting down there. And then my brother, Jamie, is in the top row up there. So there's three kids. Now, when my parents had me, apparently, I was real easy. I was thrifty, brave, clean, reverent, <laughs> outgoing, affable, you know. And it was real easy to parent me, I guess. That's just what they said. It was real easy. In fact, they said, wow, I'm, we're pretty good parents. Look what we did. And then my sister came along a year later, and apparently she was just real easy too, affable, kind, friendly, wonderful, gregarious, easy. And then my brother came along. <laughs> now look, my brother has worked in this church. He's an incredible guy. He is a co-pastor of this church. Many of you know Jamie, my brother, right? But when my parents had the first two of us, they said, you know, we should teach a parenting class. We really know what we're doing. We may write a book and go on Oprah. But then they had my brother. Now look, I think my brother's going to be a great pastor someday. Like, there's been four generations of pastors. I think he's going to be like the one. But he is, or he could be a yoga instructor. Either one's fine. <laughs> but, but God made him different. God, thank God, thank God, because he has the energy and the lack of focus and whatever he has. But I'm getting into trouble here. The point is about parenting, that God gives you the gifts to parent your kid, and your kid, we're going to need different things from you, depending on that kid. So it's an artwork. So I want to give you not like a set of laws right now. I want to give you a set of paints for this palette that God has given you the job of doing. Number one, parenting is a calling. We talked about that. So there's this dad, and he sees his kids. They're in this sporting uh, store, and there's this kid. He says, I've only got one weight at home, Dad, and I need to get some weights. Would you buy me a whole weightlifting set? The dad says, you've got weights at school, and plus you have that dumbbell at home. You don't need a whole weightlifting set. The kid said, I need a whole weightlifting set. If I want to stay up with the rest of the kids in a football program, I need my own weight set. Dad said, you're not going to. You're going to use these one second, and then you're going to put them down, and you're not going to commit. Kid said, I am going to commit. I will lift them every day. Dad said, okay, you promised. He ran his credit card. He walked to the door. Kid stood there and said, oh, Dad, you're going to make me carry him to the car? So, so parenting is a calling, okay? So now I don't want you to think about when you think about my job, about being a pastor, but here's some things that people generally think about. I'm a counselor. I'm a listener. I study the Word. I study other things. I teach the Word. I hope to be a good example most of the time for you. I'm an administrator, right? I've got to figure out lighting and stuff like that, or at least someone who's going to know how to do that. Administrating, caring for the poor, caring for people who are less fortunate, modeling God's love. Guess what? That's your job description. That's your job description as a parent. If you see this as a calling. My first boss was a guy named Michael Linval, and uh, he wore a, a clerical collar, like a, a priest. This is what some people in my religious tradition do. I used to wear one too, but... It's just not really me, so I don't anymore. But one thing about wearing a collar is you are a pastor 24-7. People recognize you as a pastor or a priest, right? 
So one time, my boss, Michael, was in the car, and he's driving, and he, he had a broken taillight, or he was speeding, and he, he gets pulled over by a cop, and a cop walks over to the car, looks in the car, and goes, who? <laughs> I'm sorry, Father. I didn't mean to pull over your car. Michael said, it's fine, son. Go and sin no more. Now, <laughs> now look, the point of this is, what if people gave you the same respect as a parent, as we give to pastors. That's really what we're saying. There is a high level of responsibility here. It is a high calling. It's not less than any other calling. It is a high, high important job that God has given you to do. And let me tell you another thing about being a parent. It means you can't be the friend to your kid. You know, if I'm your pastor, I'll just say, I get to be friendly with you, but I can't be your friend. And the reason is there may come a time when you need me to be your pastor and to say something to you that you may not want to hear. And if I'm your friend, I can't really be that. But if I'm your pastor, I can play that role. So you're the pastor to your kid. Number two, if you are raising your kid by yourself, let the church be the other person, the other parent in the relationship. Let this place be that. And even if you are raising a kid in a marriage, in a two-person marriage, let that be, let this church be the other parent to your kid. This is a really important part. You know, I was reading this book, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It was my daughter's book. We're reading this story before a class in the morning. And the Disney version is totally different from, like, the real version. The Disney version has, like, this prince and princess, and, like, the gargoyles are all friends and everything. But that's not the real story. The real story is there was this church like Highlands, only it was called Notre Dame, but it was a church. And they committed to take in kids around the neighborhood who didn't have parents. One day, a parent comes up to, a kid comes up to the door, and he has a hunch on his back, and his name is Quasimodo. The church takes in this kid and gives him food. But not just that, it gives him a job to watch the bells Now, in those days, the bells were as important as being the computer programmer of the church. It'd be like bringing a kid in to, like, write code for a church. And they put this kid up in those bells, and that kid cleaned up the bells, and he kept them going and kept them tuned. That's what the church does. And the Bible has a long, long history of taking care of people, of kids. Uh, Moses was one. The mother couldn't take care of Moses, so she puts him in the Nile. We saw that this last week on TV, the Nile River. And God took care of that little Moses, Moshe, as the princess of Egypt pulled him out of the water. Samuel. Samuel's mom could not take care of Samuel. So she takes him down to the temple, the church. And she says, you take care of him. So this guy named Eli, who's the pastor of the church, says, I'll take him. And so one night, Samuel's watching the church at night. And he hears God's voice. Eli, or Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks it's Eli that says it to him, but it's actually God's voice. And again, there's a long list of people who have raised people. The church has raised these people. Herbert Hoover, President of the United States. Edgar Allan Poe. Maybe that's not a good example, but let's keep going. Washington Carver. Johann Sebastian Bach was raised by a church. Leo Tolstoy, raised by a church. The actress Ingrid Bergman, raised by a church. Ice-T, raised by a church. Again, maybe not a good example, but, but the church has helped a lot of people. So let the church be that other parent for you. The last thing is this, and this is for everybody out there. You are not 
on your own. You are not on your own. The evil one sends a lot of lies out there every day. But one of the biggest lies he sends out there is that you're on your own. Nobody has your pain. Nobody experiences what you're experiencing. But you're not. You're not. And you are not on your own if you're raising a kid. There was this uh, theologian named Alistair McGrath who had an aunt who was single her whole life. So this aunt died in her 90s. And they went into the house to clean up all the stuff. And there by the side of the bed, they found a picture they'd never seen before of a soldier. They never met this soldier before. So they took the picture apart and they looked on the back of this picture and behind that picture was this word. It said, to the one I always loved and who always loved me and who died in the war. Now she never married, but every day of her life she looked at that picture to remember she is not alone. Now look, you don't have a picture. You have a relationship. And you have a Bible. And you are not alone. You are not alone. Before I went into the ministry, I tried out for a show called Les Miserables. It was an off-Broadway production of Les Mis. I wanted to be Jean Valjean so much. Obviously, I didn't get the part. But I love that song from Cosette, who sings this. She writes, Sometimes I walk alone at night, when everyone else is sleeping. I think of him, and then I'm happy with the company I'm keeping. The city goes to bed, and I can live inside my head. Then it goes, On my own, pretending he's beside me. All alone, I walk with him till morning. Without him, I feel his arms around me. And when I lose my way and close my eyes, and he has found me. You can see why I didn't get the part. (laughs) But you don't have to close your eyes to know that he is with you. He is with you. Would you pray with me? Father, on this day, we thank you for parents, and we thank you for kids. We thank you for this job you've given us. It's a vocation, a calling. I pray that you would give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and you have promised that you will. So, Lord, we commit to you that we will take this job seriously, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.